Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD. Money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with 19 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals for over 20 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. You can also go to our website, moneymd.net, and click in the top right-hand corner, and you can stream us from the comforts of your kitchen. Or, um, you know, if you're driving around, 1230 a.m. is another great way to listen to us. You could be, watch, be watching football or Yeah, or doing golf, some yard work. Or, yard you know, work. There's you always know, or, something going on, right? Or football. Yeah, there's always something going on. There really is. So that's a great way to do it. Also, like if you download the TuneIn radio app, I mm-hmm, mean, that's on your smartphone, that is a great way to listen. That's the way I listen. You can be jogging or working around the house or you know, watching football or anything. It's just yeah, amazing. Or golf or baseball or, you know, exactly. whatever season it exactly. is. Exactly. <laughs> whatever is on, whatever is you feel like doing that day, you could be doing it. Also, check us on our website, moneymd.net, where you can link to us there and fill out our financial fitness questionnaire. You can also reach us directly by email at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, I think we have an awesome show lined up for today, as usual. Yes, we do. We're going to start off with the eight critical steps for your retirement plan. You know, we love numbers. I think we're going to be talking about a lot of numbers today, so mm-hmm. bear with us. Never never met a number that I didn't like. Yep. You know, and uh, especially number four. Unless you it know. was. I don't yeah. know why I like that. <laughs> anyway, lots of numbers out there. And, um, you know, this is there are a lot of critical steps in retirement planning, and People tend to get confused. I think they're they're intimidated by retirement planning. Um, it's really not that complicated, though. If you just follow a few basic steps, and we're going to talk about those, you know, it's, it's just a methodical. It's a recipe, right? You, just, you know, heart surgery is not complicated either. Well, that's it's a true. recipe. They have it processed out. There's 150 <laughs> utensils, and they have it all lined out. I mean, or you say retirement? It's kind of like hitting a golf well, ball, right? For I mean, us, it's not hard, but for I mean, for most people, it is difficult. And that's why they use that's, that's true folks golf, like us. But we have a process, right? We have a process. Yeah, we can we can help you through it. Just bear with us. Just that's you know? right. That's right. Bear with us. We'll, we'll help you. We'll and, help you. So that's the number one on the list. In the second segment, would you believe that there are some positive um, outcomes from the crisis that we've had over the last? Five to six years, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, there. I, I can believe there are some positives. There are some outcomes. positives, and, and we're going to talk about those. What we see is that people have, um, in some cases, changed their mindset, changed their ways about the way they're looking at their finances, which is a good thing. Before, uh, you know, if they weren't doing, you know, X, Y, and Z, they're they're looking at and they're at least considering it now. So there this are some. Is, this is kind of like the cup half full. Yeah, here. that's right. Well, there's some positive changes in <laughs> mindsets. People got burned. 
during the last five years. So, you know, markets have done a little bit better. Maybe they're, you know, back employed and and they're taking some different steps. So we're going to cover. We've learned some things. That's right. We're We're going to share them with you. Absolutely. And then Dave Ramsey, you've heard of him? I have heard of him. You know, he's a good guy. He is a good guy. He's a big no debt kind of guy, too. And he's got a a, uh, six reasons why people have debt. It's kind of a twist on, you know, why would someone have debt? And there's what he sees in his business and in his experience, six reasons of... Not necessarily good reasons, but reasons. No, that's right. It's, yeah, they, they do yeah. have it. So you got to know, know the reasons behind something so you can fix it. That's right. right. And that's why we're yeah. talking about it. And that's a good one. All right, though. We're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. You know, I figured out why Social Security is about bust. Oh, why is that, John? Well, it's because people are living longer. I mean, when Social Security was started, this is there according you go. to this. Ta- there you go, taking some good news and turning it well, bad again. Yeah. I, mean, you, I keep telling you, you've you got to look at the cup half full, well, John. There you go. Well, you know, it's great news that we're living longer, but it's killing the Social Security system. <laughs> it is. Medicare, too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's right. You know, this is from the Center for Disease Control and the life expectancy at birth. Uh, the average American was about 63 years, and that was in 1940. And that was about five years after Social Security was created. Um, the life expectancy today is 79 years old. And so it's putting... Daggum medical advances. We could just, just, just go ahead and die already. <laughs> no, no. We want I mean, people to live. We want people to live. But it's one of the fundamental reasons why the this, this system is, is struggling. It is, is. Because people are living longer, which is great news. Um, but you know there are going to be changes coming down the pike in Social Security. It, it, there's no other choice. It's simple math. It's true. It's, it's like true. four plus four equals eight, right? There was a little bit of bad planning behind Social Security too. I mean, come on. Yeah, there's some. There's some. Yeah, I mean, there's multiple but, reasons, but, but, but this I mean, is one of them. Part of the math is people are living longer, and therefore you can expect your Social Security benefits to be smaller and delayed. Yeah, typically that's, that's what's going to happen. It. If you're young, you know, just kind of just cut that in half. And, and even for the know, older people, they're talking about changing the way that inflation is calculated, which would knock it down a little I, bit. I think so. they're going to have to do that. I mean, because you've got to deal with the money that's already out there. And, you know, I just ran retirement numbers numbers yesterday for somebody for Social Security, Social Security planning for somebody. And their total benefits for somebody retiring today uh, the average life expectancy was going to be over a million dollars in benefits wow. of their life expectancy. <clears throat> I mean, that's unsustainable. You can't do that for every couple here in the mm-hmm. United States that's retiring today. They must be know? waiting a couple of years. I mean, they're sick. No, I mean, that was just, I ran the numbers, and it was pretty much across the board. If they took it at 62, and one of them was taken at 62, one at 66, it was going to be a million dollars. They lived to, like, age 85 and mm-hmm. 95, yeah. you know, one and two. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Social Security, it needs some fixing. Yes, it does. It needs some the, Band-Aids. One of the problems is people are living a long time. There you go. So there you go. All right, good financial fact. We elaborated on that a little bit too much. Um, but here we are with the eight critical steps for your retirement plan. Um, this is a great article out of Fox Business, um, Money Tree. Uh, this lady, Catherine Vassell, uh, wrote this. And I could tell you, you know, we've done retirement planning for a lot of people, mm-hmm. right, over the years, um, probably hundreds of people over the last 19 years. And I could tell you that people look at retirement planning and they think it is brain surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're intimidated by it. Um, and that's why people don't do it. You know, well, it's, and, it's not fun either. I mean, it's, it's not, not like planning a not. vacation, which you love vacations. It's true. Right. That's true. Man, you took away my analogy. That's uh, too bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. 
It is it is not like planning a vacation. In fact, I mean, they say here that planning for retirement is overwhelmingly and is overwhelming is not as fun. And so, of course, they're going to plan something that's more immediate and put off planning for the future. According to ING, their recent informal poll, Americans spent more time this summer talking about and planning for their vacation than they did their retirement. Mm. And, yeah, I have to say I'm guilty of that. Yeah, if, if if you looked at my next vacation and how much time I spent planning for it, you would think it was going to last 30 years. Yeah, but you, you also are looking at your numbers yeah. all the time. Oh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I do think about retirement, I mean, and you should. And people do think about retirement. They don't do hard planning for it. That's the mm-hmm. point. You know, they don't sit down and do the numbers. And you have to actually do the numbers. And the cool thing is, is once you do a plan, you can revisit it periodically, but it's not something you have to do every week necessarily. You can update a little bit, but once you have the basic structure, it's not that hard to update. And that's that's the other cool thing about it, like you mentioned. Um, But you can't blame people for their priorities, right? I mean, most experts, you know, admit that um, retirement planning is one of the toughest financial challenges people face in their life. But it's necessary, you know. It's it's it, it's some liken it to opening the door of a the cockpit to a seven forty seven, and sitting down in the pilot's chair and trying to land the plane. Well, you know, it's not quite that complicated. But I mean, there are a lot of things coming at you. You have to take into account, you know, your budget, pension, Social Security, your lifestyle, taxes. Um, but there's also the mental and emotional issues. There are a lot of things to think about. Yeah, they are. They definitely are. You know, the best approach that we see. Um, you know, to save for retirement, it really depends on the individual's financial and life situations. But there are certainly some some basic building blocks we're going to cover here uh, that should be included in everybody's retirement plan. And so here's we're going to go through eight of them at this point. It's not an all inclusive list, but this is a great uh, great start. Exactly. Number one here on the list is start early. I mean, this is like a no brainer, right? I mean, but but people don't do it. Majority of Americans, they wait until their 40s or their 50s to start seriously planning for life after work, and that's just way too late. I mean, investing small amounts of money in a retirement uh, savings account like a 401k or IRA, it can grow to a huge nest egg by the time you retire. In fact, every 10 years you delay, John, um, you need about two and a half times more uh, per month to save to end up with the same result and an 8% return. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you need to save $500 a month today to reach your goal of a million dollars at retirement, wait 10 years and it's going to be more like $1,250 a month. Yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing stat. Eighth wonder of the world, right? Compounding. It is. And time is the thing that's on your side. So you need to get going early. You know, so young people tell your kids in their 20s, they need to start thinking about it. They need to fully fund a Roth IRA or a regular IRA or, you know, get money, get a significant amount of money in a retirement plan going and then increase that every year when they get a raise. Mm hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right, that leads up to number two. Yeah, number two here is create a retirement budget. So calculating a total savings goal can help people stay on track. So you kind of have a, a goal that you're looking at. Um, but first, you know, you have to have a current budget. And, you know, one of the ways you can do that is work backwards. Define what your yearly income is that takes into account all the taxes and then list all your spending and expenses and subtract that to determine how much is left. From that number, you can then calculate what is designated for retirement savings. You can list all your expenses um, and sometimes you'll identify unnecessary expenses that you can cut out. And again, you've got to when you retire, when you determine what that retirement number is, you've got to make that a priority 
expense. You've got to pay yourself first in the process because there's a lot of a lot of people grabbing at that money that um, that want it. So yeah, I like to boil it down to if you're not saving it, you're spending it. Mm-hmm. So just take your current take home pay, figure out what you're saving from that, which is probably nothing, and what and if you're spending it, then that's your that's what you're going to eat in retirement probably is what you're spending. And then you can add taxes back to it. But usually it comes out to be 70 80% of yeah. your pre-retirement income, right? So, all right, well, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the eight critical steps for retirement planning. Um, John, you know, I mean, people look at retirement planning and they think it's like landing a 747. You know, mm-hmm. you're sitting in the cockpit and alarms are going off and there's lights everywhere and there's gauges everywhere and you don't know, you know, if an untrained person, you have no idea which button to push or which lever to move. Um, and, and it can be complicated. You know, there's a lot of things you have to think about, right? I mean, you have to think about your pension, Social Security, survivor income, insurance, and how much income you need and budgets and what your lifestyle going to be and taxes. I mean, yeah. it's a complicated process. And then you throw the emotional side in as yeah. well. That's and a huge factor. It is a huge factor. And there's no do-overs for retirement, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, once you're retired, it's pretty hard to go back to work usually right. and get the same type of job. got to do it right. Yeah, so you got to make a wise decision there, and that means some planning. But there are eight critical steps here that uh, we think will give you a good foundation for it. And number one we talked about was starting early, um, you know, in terms of saving. Uh, you want to save really early and make sure that you're on pa- on track. Saving maybe 15% we'll usually recommend of your income for retirement. <clears throat> but you also want to start early in planning for retirement and running the numbers and making sure that you're on track. And the number two was to create a retirement budget um, because – you got to know how much you're going to spend in retirement, how much you'll need in retirement. And that's not something you can do when you're in your 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to do that when you're in your 50s and you're getting near retirement or within the last five years, start thinking about what's it going to cost me to retire? Um, and what's my budget going to be? And, and you know, that's going to dictate kind of when you can retire. I had that conversation with um, some clients. I think it was probably two weeks ago, and they were basically saying, can I walk out? Can I retire? And I'm like, well, how much income do you need? I mean, that's the million dollar question. It Obviously, is. we see the we see the assets and we can look at those. But and so it's building it from the base of you've got utilities. If you have a mortgage, put that on there. Obviously, food, transportation, taxes, things like that. And you can you can see what your basic needs are and then make sure that's covered before you walk out. That's right. And I have to admit, you know, it amazes me how many people just kind of give a hand wave to that and just wing that number, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, they look at their, they say, okay, well, I'm making $100,000 a year, me and my wife, and so I think we need 70. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of make up the number, and they don't really do the the math, you know, go through their checkbook, you know, have a budget, and really sit down and add it all up and figure out what's going to change in retirement, you know, how much extra you're going to have to spend on 
medical um, yeah. insurance. If you want true peace of mind, go through the details. Exactly. Because that way you know. It's just one thing you need to go through the details yeah. on. Yeah. But it amazes me. We've done hundreds of plans, mm-hmm. and I would say over half of them just kind of winged that number. That's you right. know, they, we had to, I had to guess at a number, and they took that number and just went with it. Mm-hmm. And it probably worked out, I think, in most cases, but still it's too important. I mean, you need to do a budget for yeah. that. Yeah, so you need to look at things like insurance, housing, food, taxes, health care, clothing. You need to take into account that your lifestyle is going to change a little bit and, and how it's going to change from your pre-retirement. And um, some things will go down, like gas. You won't be driving as much, right? You won't be going to work. You won't have to buy fancy clothes, perhaps, for for uh, your employer. Um, but at the same time, some things like vacations are going to go up. Health care. Healthcare gonna is go going to get more expensive. Yep. You know, Medicare Part B goes up every year. You're going to have to pay healthcare premiums. You may have to buy a Medicare supplement policy. So you just need to know, you know, how that's going to look in retirement. Number three here on the list is plan a retirement lifestyle. You know, people's desired retirement lifestyles directly relates to how much money they're going to they're going to need to save. Um, so people need to outline their retirement plans. They, they need to um, know how they're going to spend their time. Are they going to be traveling? Um, will they move? Will they take up any new hobbies? Um, you know, will, how much will they need to come up with um, to support that lifestyle in retirement? That's a big part of the retirement budget and, and their you know, retirement planning. Yeah, hobbies can be a big deal for different folks. I it mean, can, yeah. Some people play golf and spend a lot of money doing that. Travel and, around and... And uh, I'm one of those people that play golf. <laughs> and then other people, you know, yet yeah, they just like doing a lot of traveling or or they might just, uh, you know, who knows? They might just work in the yard. You mm-hmm. can spend a lot of money doing that if, yeah, you, absolutely. if you do the right stuff. Now, number four on the list is a is a big question mark for most people. It's budgeting for health care costs. I mean, you know, th- there's this hangs over everybody's retirement unless you have some medical uh, re- retiree coverage from a company, which is becoming more and more rare. But. Um, this can be a big deal, and there's no way to really know an exact number. There's a lot of changes going on, obviously, with healthcare these days. Um, but this is this is something you have to estimate, and then probably put a f- pretty large fudge factor on it, um, 25 to 30 percent, to give you some wiggle room because it's, yeah, it's expensive. It's the one thing we know that's going to go up in the future. I mean, it takes on average 250 thousand dollars, they say, to fund medical bills in retirement. Obviously, that's going to vary tremendously based on your health and geographic regions and things like that. Um, but, you know, if you're blessed to have a good re- employer-sponsored retirement plan that you're, um, you know, able to buy in retirement, that can make a big difference in lowering your bills. But you need to you need to look hard at that. Number five here on the list, though, is evaluate your risk tolerance. Investors, I mean, they their risk will change usually from the accumulation phase of life to the distribution phase of life when you're in retirement, right? So your investment type and the risk tolerance you have, it should shift in the different phases of life. So you need to be able to to look at that objectively, consider, you know, what risk level should you be at? How much should you have in equities? How much should you have in fixed income? you're going to want to have more in fixed income when you get in mm-hmm. retirement typically. Yeah, it, it's, so. it kind of is an anchor in the portfolio if you structure it right. So That's right. Number six here on the list is get the right insurance. And this is um, everyone should really go through an insurance audit as they reach different life stages. When you have kids, you know, as kids are going out of the house, as you go into retirement, you know, they should review your home and auto 
uh, personal insurance, liability, health care, umbrella insurance. Make sure that you have the right coverage and, um, quite frankly, whether it's you know cost uh, appropriate. A lot of times we recommend going out and, and repricing those type of insurances because in some cases they, they'll lower actually over time. So That's get right. the right insurance. <laughs> Yeah, also long-term care. They need to take a look at what that would look like, too, and uh, look at long-term care insurance. We typically suggest you around, you know, late 50s, you start looking at that hard yeah. and uh, figure out if that's something that you need to buy. Yeah, Dave Ramsey yeah. says, right at age 60, go get it. And, you know, if you're 58, 59, that's, that's reasonable reasonable as well. But yeah, age 60 is a good, good target. That's what we recommend in that time frame. And then number seven on the list is <clears throat> assess your tax situation. Um, every investor knows that you know retirement accounts are going to be taxed in retirement. Um, they have a huge impact on how you liquidate your investments when it comes time to retire. How much do you take out when? Um, so you want to prioritize your expenses and how much you're going to draw out of your accounts and how that impacts your taxes. Um, I find most people they're going to pay ten to fifteen percent in federal tax in total, and you know four or five percent in state if they live in South Carolina, and Georgia. Um, so, you know, 15, 20% total tax is where most people fall, but it, it totally depends on your situation. Mm-hmm. It could be drastically different. If you have a mortgage, you have, you know, interest deductions and charitable right. deductions. And so, <clears throat> so you have to take a hard look at that. And then last year on the list is create an estate plan. You know, it's not fun to talk about, but everybody needs to have a financial plan for when, um, they aren't around anymore. They need to have an idea of, you know, what the taxes are going to be, um, how they'll be covered, if there are going to be taxes, which most people don't have estate taxes nowadays, but, you know, they do have uh, income taxes <clears throat> that may affect um, their assets. And then how your assets are going to be transferred to your heirs, including the location of all your legal documents, your bank accounts, the names of all your beneficiaries, how accounts are titled. Those are all very, very important, <clears throat> you know, when it comes to retirement planning. So... You really have to have a plan for for all these things. Um, I know it sounds complicated, but, you know, uh, we can help. Mm-hmm, if yeah. you want some help with retirement planning, yeah, sure. give us a call, um, and we can sit down with you, give a free consultation for that. And, um, you know, we don't necessarily do the planning for free, but we'll sit down and consult you and tell you, you know, give you an idea of whether you need to, to do planning at this stage sure. and some of the things you need to think about. And, you know, it doesn't cost anything. So give us a call. Um, you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Or you can give us a call at the office at, in, during regular business hours at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages and Gina News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break, um, really starting a new discussion. In fact, we're going to start off here, though, with the question of the week. Yeah, the question of the week, and I had this discussion, and I'm sure you do as well, um, about wills. And um, so the question is, is I'm 30 years old. And have two kids, but have really no assets. No, haven't started saving for retirement, um, so nothing really, you know, to pass on at this point. Right? Do I really need a will? And so, well, 
I think we know the answer to that question. Yeah, I mean, the the will also places the custodian of your kids. Right. Um, and so if you don't have a will and you die intestate, um, then the courts will determine who's going to watch over your, your kids. And for my wife and I, we, we um, it wasn't an obvious answer. So we had to talk about it and discuss it and so forth. So not only does a will disperse your assets, and, and that's important, a very important piece of it, but also, you know, will typically includes who's going to be the custodian of them. You can also have a health care power of attorney in there. There's a lot of things that are involved in a will that can give you some protection. Yeah, I mean, plus you just want somebody to look after your affairs, and and you don't want to leave your family to have to go to probate court and have somebody named, you know, as your executor. Because, I mean, everybody has to have – somebody has to settle their estate, even if they don't have any assets to speak of, right? Right. So, you know, do your family a favor, make a will, and you don't know when you're going to get assets anyway. I mean, you may, you know, get an inheritance. You mm-hmm. may you may get assets, you know, pretty rapidly. So you don't want to have to run out and create a will as soon as you get assets. And, Go you know, se- now. 70% of people don't have wills. So it's one of those things that most people don't, don't do. There's some great um, lawyers locally. We can certainly connect you with those. Some people feel comfortable doing it on the internet as well. Yeah, um, I mean legalzoom.com, you can get a, a a you know a form that that pretty well takes care of a simple will. Having said that, um you know, I'd encourage you to go to an attorney. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because the every state has slightly different laws in, in regards to how wills are created and you want to make sure you're using the right form mm-hmm. for your state. And plus usually there's some you know, extenuating circumstances in just about everybody's life so you know it's a little better if you get the right number if you go to you know attorney you have the right witnesses everything is is pretty cut and dried and Mm -hmm. you know you're getting uh the type will that you need for your situation they have a good process most of them exactly all right good question and that leads us up here though to our five lessons from the crisis um yeah i mean you know the the financial crisis was uh Unbelievable, really. Yeah, it and really was. But there are some positives out of it, right? Yeah. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some, some studies that have come out recently. And, you know, the financial crisis, it's, you know, five, six, seven years ago, depending on when you want to put the exact start date. Um, but, you know, we saw a dramatic uh, drop in the stock market. And uh, obviously housing prices also hit Americans very hard. Unemployment level reached its highest mark in nearly 30 years. We saw foreclosure rates quadruple. Um, many investors suffered significant uh, setbacks to their savings. And, you know, this article is actually from uh, Fidelity, um, uh, Fidelity uh, Company. And they did a survey and said um, in a recent survey, more than 64% of respondents said they felt scared or confused during the, you know, the Great Recession um, during that time. And, you know, five years later, six years later, we're looking back on it now. And there there was one benefit that's emerged from the downturn, and that is, Many Americans have become more focused on their financial lives, and that's 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 a positive outcome. More than 56% said that uh, instead of being scared or confused, they now feel confident and prepared. So good news on that, that front. And um, when you look at the depths of the recession and the volatile market conditions, many investors found resolve and started to make some positive changes in their own personal economy. I like the way they, they state that. Um, whether it's increasing the contributions rates in their 401ks or maybe Roth IRAs. Maybe they adjusted their asset allocation or increased the frequency of um, the discussions with their family. You know, the silver lining of the recession was that it spurred investors to reassess and and improve their finances. So, 
you know, the question is, is how did they do it? And I think the shorter answer is, is they took control. And, you know, still a lot of people aren't looking at finances, but it looks like during this really difficult time that they were forced to. They didn't have a choice. Yeah, I think that is a positive. You know, people are more focused now on their financial situation. And, you know, while the respondents were split between blaming the crisis on banks or lenders or blaming it on Americans getting overextended financially, it says 56% of the respondents said they now believe that it's their sole responsibility to prepare for retirement. Only 56? Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> What's the other 44? I mean, come yeah, on. I guess they're already retired, maybe. I don't know. You know, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good thing. I mean, people have already begun to take action. About two-thirds said that they, they believed that um, they were more knowledgeable about their finances now. Um, about three-quarters of them are monitoring investments more carefully. I mean, people are starting to realize that the government and their employer probably will not be able to take care of them in retirement. They're going to have to do it themselves, you know, personal responsibility, right? I mean, yeah. you got to step up to the plate and, and you know, set your own destiny. So here, here are five steps that we see people taking a little bit more control and uh, strengthening their personal economy. And the first one is, and we'll keep beating this drum, but save more and smarter for retirement. I think, you know, the the fact is, is that you can't control the markets. You can't control the economy but you can save more, right? I mean, that's something under your control, and in doing so can pay off. You know, among investors who went from feeling scared to prepared, 42% said they increased their contributions to their workplace savings plans. So 401Ks and it's good. Know, different kind of things. It is. It's a great step. And why is it so important to save in these type of accounts? Well, you know, the combination of being tax-deferred investments and also, you know, a, a disciplined savings it means that even small changes can have a huge impact on your future lifestyle. So they went through an example of someone increasing their um, savings rate from 5 to 7% and uh, making 6% a year um, was the, uh, the the hypothetical average annual rate of return. And basically after about 20 years, the balance would have been about 15% higher. So a 2% increase, this person was making about 70000 I believe. But a small increase, so if you can ratchet your savings up from 3 to 4 to 5 to 8 to 9 to 10 over time, it'll make a big impact later on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so you need to make sure that you're, you're capturing your, uh, uh, the match that your company gives you. That's kind of your first priority with how much you put in your retirement plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, because not doing that would be leaving money on the table. You know, you, you wouldn't be taking advantage of really free money that that part of your salary that your company's given you but you also want to take advantage of other tax savings vehicles out there too like roths i think roths are a great tool Mm -hmm. for young people and and even for older folks in retirement gives you some flexibility to have a pot of money that's already been taxed that's tax-free now in retirement so when you take a big trip or you you need to draw money out for something unusual it doesn't push you into a higher tax bracket you have a place you can go get that um, but there's HSAs, you know, health savings accounts, IRAs, annuities. There's all kind of other va- vehicles you can take care of, so take advantage of. So how much is enough? Um, well, I mean, we think a, a, one example they give here is eight to ten times your ending income by the time you retire. Having that in your retirement plan um, can be significantly higher or lower depending on your situation and some of the key choices you make. Um, like what age you plan to retire and the the amount of income that you'll want to use in retirement. Those all make a big difference. So 
the, the bottom line is you have to do some planning. You know, you have to figure out this number, how much you're going to need. A typical withdrawal rate is 4 to 5% from a retirement account. So if you need 50000 a year, you're going to have to have close to a million dollars mm-hmm. or more in your retirement plan to be able to draw that 50000 a year out of there. So, number one, save more and smarter. We see people doing that um, based on this uh, crisis that we had. The second thing we've seen is they're a little bit better prepared for the unexpected. And, you know, not many people were talking about risk management at the market top back in 2007. Um, But, um, you know, staring into the financial abyss was a hearty reminder of the value of preparedness. In this survey they did, about half the respondents said they reduced their personal debt. That's reflecting a nationwide shift to uh, thrift. And uh, in aggregate, U.S. household debt as a percent of GDP dropped from a high of 14% in 2007 to slightly above 10% at the end of 2012. That's the lowest level since the government began collecting data in, in 1980. So, you know, those respondents who now feel confident and prepared, nearly three-quarters said they have less personal debt than they did before the crisis. Well, that's certainly and a good thing. It is. And, you know, that's a 40% drop in the, um, in the percent um, of, of debt, household debt to GDP. So I think people are starting to um, – maybe Dave Ramsey's getting out there quite a bit because he's obviously a big proponent of these two things. Save yep. more. Uh, make sure you're diversified. Also prepare for the unexpected. An emergency fund is one way that people do that. Yeah, we and talked about that in preparing for retirement. We yeah. did. I mean, this is such a critical. We see if you don't have an emergency fund, you're going to have credit card debt because things like cars and houses. I, I recently um, had some water in my basement, and, um, you know, it's not, in, it's not inexpensive. Unfortunately, you know, insurance doesn't cover flood-related damage, so I'm having to pay for that out of my pocket. And I have an emergency fund because cars break, you know, houses break, things like that happen all the time. So got to have make make sure you have an emergency fund so we're going to come back and cover the other three items here uh after the break so uh, stick with yep. us yep so if you have questions though you can email us at info at moneymd.net or you can give us a call during regular business hours at 706-739-0725 you're listening to money md with john and steve we'll be right back after these messages <laughs> Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the five lessons learned from the financial crisis, you know, back six or seven years ago. And, um, you know, there are some positive things that we can take from this. And, I mean, people have responded, I think. They've changed their thinking a little bit. Hopefully that'll, that'll last, John. Yeah, we, we do see people are more confident and prepared now. Um, basically, they took control. I mean, some of the things they did was actually save more and smarter for retirement. They're putting more into 401Ks and, and Roth IRAs. So that's something that we certainly um, see as a big can be a big win long term. Um, for individuals. We also see them better prepared for the unexpected. Uh, U.S. household debt as a percent of GDP dropped from a high of 14% in 07 to slightly above 10% at the end of 2012. So getting rid of shedding some debt. That's a great, that's a great thing. It is absolutely having an emergency fund. We talked about is another thing kind of in that, um, in that segment there, making sure you're prepared for the unexpected. Number three on the list was rethinking risk. Um, you know, even the most seasoned investors felt pretty weak in the knees as they went through the uh, financial crisis. And, and a matter of fact, 21% actually shifted to a more conservative mix 
but about 50% stuck with their plan. And, and I think the key is when we looked at the data, and there's a whole bunch of numbers on this and stats, the key is, is setting up a risk profile on the front end Right, and then sticking with that from a long-term standpoint, and yeah, people that got scared out at the bottom, they got really, really hurt. You know, and I just talked to one yesterday that had changed his risk level, and you know, now he's an all fixed, and that's not doing well either. And you know, I mean, you can really hurt yourself if you don't have the right risk tolerance mm-hmm. for where you're at. And boy, the financial crisis really did test everybody's metal in terms of sticking with equities. So yeah, I think it's by, good that people have rethought that. I think bottom line, get get your allocation long term. Do some rebalancing in there. No one can predict the markets. It just doesn't work that it way. Doesn't. So set it up on right on the front end and and know that this is a long term type of a deal. Number four here is manage your tax and inflation exposure. Um, you know, five years ago, deflation was a big economic fear, but today. We see massive de- deficits and unprecedented um, asset purchases have turned the tables and pushed taxes and inflation really to the top of the investor worry list. Yeah, I mean, you have to prepare for inflation. That's a big deal. Inflation can erode your purchasing power of your savings. Even with a low 2% inflation rate, money held in a money market fund that's yielding basically nothing, 0.01%, is losing money in real terms, right? You're losing almost 2% a year. And same thing for Treasury bonds that are even yielding 1.9%. You know, you're you're still losing to inflation. So um, your purchasing power is being eroded with rising rates associated with inflation. inflation. You need to be prepared for that. You just need to think about mm-hmm. different types of, you know, diversification, really, to protect your portfolio against inflation. And that includes equities and, you know, maybe even Treasury inflation-protected bonds. But... There's lots of ways. You just need to prepare for that. Yep. And the last one here on the list that we see people are starting to do a little bit more of is not going at it alone. So they've um, they've included uh, working with a financial advisor. I think it said, you know, as the financial crisis started to unfold, 30% of the respondents said they turned to a financial advisor for help, and 26% chose a spouse or family member. So talking about it, getting some help from other people is a good thing. And you know, guidance from financial professionals ranked among the highest in helpfulness in the survey at 90%. And so that's one reason people come to us is it is confusing. You know, we do this for a living. We do it every day. um, And they need help um, to try to figure it out because it can be very emotional. Yeah, I mean, some things are worth paying for. And uh, for a lot of people, paying for good financial investment advice is truly um, a good deal. I mean, it's something they need. So, yeah, that's a good topic, and um, that leads us up to uh, our prescription prescription of the week. Yeah, we'll make this uh, brief so we can cover Mr. Ramsey's article here. But, um, you know, complete a financial summary for all your assets, liabilities, and other valuable info. Have a one-page summary. Um, store it away. Have account numbers, phone numbers, uh, balances, so your your family, once you leave the earth, they'll they'll have a good idea of what you have and who to call. And it takes a little bit of stress out. It takes a lot of stress out, quite frankly, from the the whole process. You kind of understand financially uh, what you have. So that's where you stand. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one, no doubt. All right, and that leads up to our last topic here: the six reasons people stay in debt. Um, you know, this is from Dave Ramsey uh, at DaveRamsey.com. And, yeah, it's astounding to me that, that people just kind of wallow in their debt. And uh, But he gives the six main reasons here that that uh, people do that. Yeah, he's a big no-debt kind of guy. He's, he's phenomenal to, to listen to, and I've learned so much from him. But, 
you know, most most of the time people remember when they decided to get out of debt is because they were sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, you know, you may even gotten angry at being in debt. Eventually the burden and the stress of the constant bills and piling debt broke you down. Something inside of you clicked and you decided, you know, it was time to make a fresh start. Yeah, but the question is, what keeps people from getting out of debt? I mean, why should someone want to stay in the chains instead of living in, you know, freedom? I mean, sadly, there are all sorts of reasons that people give to choose MasterCard over being in debt, right? And uh, so yeah. here are just a few. We're going to go through six of them. Number here. one here is is keeping up their appearances, right? It I is. mean, this is. is the dreaded keeping, keeping up, up with, with the Joneses. Joneses. Absolutely. And but little do you know, the Joneses have a leased BMW. They're underwater on their mortgage. Um, they have an unwelcome visitor named Sally Mae living in the basement. You know, <laughs> that's right. Uh, the Joneses old are the Sally. most. Yeah, old Sally. She's Good old in Sally. Chains. Yeah. <laughs> the Joneses are the most broke people in your neighborhood. They just don't look like it. And so you can't that's look true. at someone's situation and know it. But you know, if you're trying to follow their example, you're going to be following them into bankruptcy if you're not careful. So. People, you know, the appearance and stuff makes them feel better for a very short time. Yeah, a very short period of time. Don't don't trust appearances. That's a good one. Number two here is they're unwilling to sacrifice. Um, I mean, how can you possibly give up eating out three times a week? Or, or what would your life be like if you were without cable? Um, you'd never know, you know, until you're you're willing to give up those things. You're, you're, you're never – the bottom line is – I mean, you have to be willing to make some cuts, right? You have to be willing to make some changes in your life if you want to get where you want to go. And, um, you know, you got to be willing to sacrifice to do that. you got to be willing to give some things up. Yep, that's number two. That's a good one there. So number three here on the list is they fear change. You know, debt can be comfortable, kind of like a, a slowly cooking um, in a pot of boiling water. But if you're always used a credit card and if you always have car loans, then that's what you expect. And, you know, the unknown can be scary except for the fact that millions of families have gone through Dave's plan. I mean, he's helped families all over the, the, the country with this, and um, they, they get calls all the time about people getting out of debt. So he, he's got a process. Uh, he's got a, 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 some materials called Financial Peace University um, and then Total Money Makeover. It's a process that you can follow. It's not magic. It takes time to get out of debt, but it's, it's it works if you follow it and you prioritize and things like that. So... That's important. Number four here on the list of why people um, don't get out of debt is they're addicted to stuff. We you know? are. Yeah. Americans in particularly. Oh, it, people have bought into the myth that um, that you are what you own and you simply can't get enough of it. There's just not enough stuff. Tech stuff. I mean, it, I love tech stuff. Yeah, tech stuff and cars and, and, and big houses. You know, they it makes them feel good for a short period of time, but that debt is going to saddle you. So That's right. It just stuff is not where it's at you can't afford it you got to stay away from the stuff you know you got to cut it down to the bare minimum and don't be afraid to do that number next on the list here is they don't know how to get out of debt um you know and that's true i mean they they receive well i mean you know you have to have a plan right mm -hmm. and they have good intentions you know they want to kick the the debt to the curb but they don't know how to do that. They've been in debt for so long, and you know, getting out of debt, you know, a pile of fifty thousand dollars in credit card bills may seem impossible. But the point is, it's not. I mean, getting out of debt isn't easy. It takes a lot of hard work and discipline, but it's definitely not impossible. All you need is a plan. Then you need to stick to it. <clears throat> it's kind of like you know, being on a diet, right? I mean, you have to have some discipline. You have to 
remove yourself from the tempting situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just have to, to get to it and get on a plan and, and, you know, follow the plan. Yep. That's a good one. Number six here on the list, the final one is uh, people don't get out of debt because sometimes they're they're lazy. I mean, a lot of people know what to do. Uh, maybe they know about the debt snowball and they sort of kind of want to get out of debt, but, you know, they know how debt can affect their marriage, their stress levels, their relationships, and their future, but they're just not motivated to make a change. And that's, unfortunately, that's that's kind of sad. I mean, that's, that's a difficult situation. You know that you're ruining your future. And if you have kids and, you know, you're putting them, them behind the eight ball, um, not saving for college, that's probably going to mean they're going to have student loans coming out as well. But, you know, being lazy is another reason that Dave sees. And, you know, everyday people are making the decision to get out of debt and change their lives, and they're having to sacrifice um, to do that. It's not easy to, to get past that situation. But there are resources out there that can help you. Dave Ramsey's one of them. Clark Howard's another good financial. Susie Orman. There's a lot of good folks. The the money doctors here in, in the CSRA can certainly uh, sit down with you and, and look at your situation. Exactly. Yeah, if you need some help figuring out how to get out of debt or planning for retirement, what we talked about today, um, give us a call. We'd love to help you. Um, but this has been this week's edition of Money MD with John and Steve. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net, and email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call during regular business hours at 706-739-0725. Thanks for, weekend, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Stay tuned for Doug Allen, the legendary and the spirit of racing coming right up. Have a good one. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC.